and from listeners like you who donate at WJFFradio.org. Welcome to the local edition news and information to keep you connected in the Catskills in Northeast Pennsylvania. I'm your host, Jason Dole. Coming up tonight, we'll learn more about the Heartathon that WSUL does. It's their 45th year, and they're getting even more strategic about how to battle heart disease in Sullivan County. Also, one of our regular check-ins with the Cornell Cooperative Extension because they've got a training coming up for farm or food businesses that want to enhance their skills. Ashley Tully, Food Systems Program Manager, will be joining us live in just a moment. First up tonight, we do want to check in on the latest news from Albany. As lobbyists and advocacy groups today delivered Valentine messages, quote-unquote, to lawmakers at the state capitol, one thing they don't love, Governor Kathy Hochul's proposal to end a Medicaid drug plan that provides life-sustaining medicines to people with HIV. Karen DeWitt explains. The program, begun in 1992, benefits health care centers and other organizations that include serving people with HIV and AIDS, including the state's Ryan White Centers. Patients there often require multiple medicines each day. The centers purchase the drugs at cost, but they get reimbursed at the higher rate that health insurance plans pay for the medicines. Perry Junjulis is the executive director of the Damien Center, a nonprofit AIDS services organization in Albany. He says the program allows them to use that extra money to pay for services that Medicaid doesn't cover for their clients, who are among society's most vulnerable. Things like housing, meals, mental health services, and transportation to medical appointments. Junjulis has taken drugs to control his HIV for nearly 30 years. I was supposed to die in three months back in the day, back in 95 when they gave me the diagnosis. But he says he has a stable job and can access the medicines he needs. Many of his clients Clients are uninsured or underinsured and aren't as lucky. The drugs are imperative for going on, but you cannot access the drugs today if you are homeless or if you are starving or if you're trying to, um, you know, you can't get to or get any support to be able to go to the doctor. And unfortunately, the majority of persons that we're serving right now are from communities of color. So it also turns into a health equity issue. Anthony Randolph is a client at Harlem United, which offers a wide array of health care services. He came to the Capitol to tell lawmakers that they should not cut the program. Randolph, who has HIV, says the organization helped him get his medications when a local pharmacy refused to fill a prescription, and they even helped him find a home. I get my housing from them, and this is going to affect my housing. If this goes through, they might have to cut their housing program. I won't have a place to live. Hochul is seeking to end the program in her state budget plan. She argues that consolidating the program and reimbursing pharmacies directly for the drugs will save money and provide more access to medications. The health centers also say Hochul's proposed changes don't include enough additional money to make up for the millions of dollars that they would lose. They say that would gut the centers and wipe out progress they've made in fighting the HIV and AIDS epidemic. Janjula says he'd lose a quarter of his entire budget and he'd have to begin cutting staff and programs in April. That's when the change would take effect under the governor's plan. I'm going to have to make some awful, awful decisions. 
The groups have offered compromise legislation that they say achieves the savings that the Hochul administration wants, but keeps the pharmacy benefit within managed care health plans and doesn't destroy the mechanism that they use to fund the other services. The chairs of the legislature's health committees, who are both Democrats, have been receptive to the idea. Senate Health Committee Chair Gustavo Rivera says he's opposed to ending the program. I want to make sure that that we can work together with you to get to a compromise where these services can continue to be provided and you folks can be treated fairly. He urged the advocates to lobby his Senate colleagues who might not yet be convinced. The advocates dropped off their Valentine messages, including a large poster to Hochul's offices. The governor was at the Capitol, but she did not speak publicly. In Albany, I'm Karen DeWitt. And thank you to Karen DeWitt and also to New York State Public Radio for that report. This is the local edition. And we're moving right along right now with our first live guest of the evening. Coming up, coming up, hold on one moment. Cornell Cooperative Extension, Sullivan County, is providing a unique opportunity for farm or food businesses to enhance their skills through two specialized trainings, a series, two training series that are coming up, going to span over six sessions, be facilitated by expert consultants. First class begins on Tuesday, February 28th. And they're happening in the evening and they're both uh, have an option for virtual and in-person options to tell us more and go over some of these details and even some more details that we even have written here. We do have right now, Ashley Tully, the food systems program manager at Cornell Cooperative Extension, joining us live on the phone. Hello, Ashley, you there? Hi there. Thanks so much for having me on today, Jason. Welcome to the program. Thank you so much. So, um, is, is, so is this, is this two different series or is this one series? This is two different series. They're both business planning courses. So participants will join the course, either entrepreneurs or already in business, looking to really solidify a business plan, and will come out with that at the end. Um, They are tailored towards farm or food businesses, and that's because both businesses really do have very different concerns, labor operations that we take a deep dive in and have specialists from the industry talk on each. Okay. So, so one, so one series is geared towards the food side of things. The other one's geared towards the, the farm and ag side. Exactly. I'll call it upstream downstream. So we have our producers, our farmers who are working um, with the land and have different concerns about access um, districts, different type of business and insurance concerns, as well as a different profit and marketing strategy all the way through our food business training course, which is happening in April. And that will really be for anyone from catering to restauranteurs or people who are looking to bring a food product to market, whether that be regionally or nationally. Wow, that's great. So um, the how might participating in one of these training series uh, benefit individual or business? What are, what are they going to get from these? They're going to get an opportunity to work with a few different experts. Um, we have Rose Wilson, who's working as our business planning expert. She's going to work through development as well as enterprise budget and funding sources. And Eric Hassett, who is going to do our marketing training, so really marketing and agritourism and all the things that um, really go into diversifying a farm marketing strategy in what is a very new age and very competitive direct-to-consumer age. 
the Farm Business Training Series is specialized and is a great opportunity for anyone who's looking to diversify their farm, scale up, or someone who's been dreaming or planning for a long time and hasn't really um, understood how to break through what is a heavy cash flow um, upfront cost operation. And so we have six sessions that review planning your farm, production practices, through your business plan, going over also labor and operations, and at the end, marketing. So we'll also have a farmer um, as well as a representative from Cornell's agricultural workforce development to kind of go over what is labor and operations and talk about some of the real-life experience of what it is to operate your farm in 2023. Wow. And is there, will essentially folks come out of this having like worked on a plan or at least an initial rudimentary plan? Exactly. The plan will start to develop around the second and third session. And you have the opportunity to really come out with a full, complete plan. Again, these are classes, so you will be learning and taking notes and listening to practitioners. But there is a week in between each session. And those are the times where you'll be putting your input, developing your plan, and coming back with um, the progress you've made through each session so that we can be reviewing them. All participants who go through each, each session, so finish all six, will have the opportunity to work with one of our consultants to finish that business plan and have one-on-one session to really make it complete and ready for them to present to funders like commercial lenders and or grants. It's really an opportunity um, that allows them to access more funding, which is often a barrier of scaling up. And I realize, you know, as you were saying, okay, well, you know, it's a class. You're going to kind of be learning as you do it. But I mean, that's that's what that's the nature of small businesses. You're constantly learning as you're doing. But this time, at least once a week, you'll be able to come back and talk to other folks about how it's going on and get more information about how to do it. Exactly. It's a great networking opportunity. It's a great opportunity to connect with mentors. It's an opportunity to really focus and um, allow that time for yourself to work on that, which I'm sure lots of people are in business and don't need business plans, but it is always very helpful to have a plan and to execute a plan. It's a living document, and we just want to be able to offer these courses to the community. We offer them regularly throughout the years, and um, we'll be continuing to offer them in the future years. So we do recommend that anyone um, who's interested to apply, fill out an application. And it kind of gives us the opportunity to learn more about the audience that is taking our courses. So if they are in a certain industry, we can tailor some of our conversation to that and really give you the specialized education that you're looking for. And um, courses are small, so we only have less than 20 participants in each. So it is um, a lot of uh, one-on-one attention. Okay, and the Farm Business uh, Training Series kicks off on Tuesday, February 8th and runs uh, runs through February, mid-March. It, February 28th, that we said. I think I tried to. <laughs> That's what's written in front of me. <laughs> Maybe but it was my connection. Who I knows what I said? No, I probably there. messed it up. Yeah, sorry. Tuesday, February 28th, the last, the last day of February. Last Tuesday, yeah. Yeah, um, and Tuesdays and Thursdays evenings, 530 to 7.30 at the Extension Center in person, and we will have a virtual option for those who cannot attend in person. Um, so please feel free to reach out to me um, 
at Cornell Cooperative Extension um, anytime, and I can answer questions. You can reach me at 845-292-6180, extension 112. Okay, great. Do you have do you have anything else that's uh, going on under your auspices that we didn't get to that you want to let folks know about? Sure. I mean, we have a really interesting training that I, I would happily share with the community for uh, municipal, municipal officials, CEOs, and realtors. It's an agricultural training series, um, which is being presented by Melinda Meadow, and it's also being... Um, sponsored through Sullivan County um, to the Government Center. And that's essentially an opportunity for um, people in community development and um, the Sullivan County Agricultural and Farmland Protection Board and the New York Division of Agriculture to have conversations about ag districts, ag zoning, um, laws, regulations, and really understand so that everyone's speaking the same language understanding the importance of those as community development continues in this area. You know, it sounds, I mean, you're, you're offering so much for, for people, especially people who are connected to ag and farming and the business end of that is, is far, it's still one of the major industries of Sullivan County. It's, it's tourism and agriculture. Like how's, how's, how's farming doing like from your perspective? Cause it sounds like you got a lot going on. It's growing, and that might not be so transparent to everybody because this has always been an agricultural community, and it has been maybe more so in the past. Uh, But I would say that it is growing year over year in the last five years, and there is a lot of interest in agricultural sustainability, environment, nutrition, food, health, wellness, and they really tie together in a trend that's um, pushing the industry forward as well as making it more viable, more diverse, with more opportunities and more profits. So um, we're just trying to offer the community what they need in terms of support with um, education and research-based tools so that and you know, as you say, it's growing, you know, it's, it's like diverse. It's like, it's not the diversity to, well, first off, you confirmed what I thought, like, but I didn't know for sure, which is, it seems like, you know, the agribusiness is growing and it's also it seems like it's growing in uh diversity of types of agricultural businesses people have. Like there's more and more exactly. different types of things for folks to do in the area. Yes. And we still have a majority of small farms here in Sullivan County. So it's not a a growth in terms of scale alone, but it's really, there's more opportunity because there's more buyers, there's more stores, there's more restaurants, um, there's more tourism. So all of these things are linked, as well as there are more people buying land, real estate in the county. Many of those people are interested in starting farms, homesteads, small agricultural projects, they're trying to steward their land, and there is a general trend towards that. And so I'm glad to see so many of the purchases and investments in the community um, to be of that mindset. So we're always happy to help and be a support at Cornell Cooperative Extension. It's free. We're here for you as a community. And so please reach out to the ag team. We're also growing. So look up uh, our website if you're interested in applying for a job.
That's that's great. Let folks know one more time where to go to also find out information about this farm business training series coming up on starting on February twenty eighth. I will. Yes. So, um, our farm business training series starting um, February twenty eighth, Tuesdays and Thursdays through the beginning of March. You can log on to our website at SullivanCCE.org. If you hit the events page, you'll be able to register. Um, there is a short application, which really just gives us some more information about you and your business and or your business dreams. And we'll be able to get you registered and set up. It's a $50 fee, which covers all six sessions. And really, it just covers refreshments and snacks and opportunities <laughs> to be comfortable for adult education in the evening time after work. Yeah, because you got to have snacks, you know. I mean, you got to have, have the snacks. Ashley Tully Food System. the farm training. There you go. Uh, Ashley Tully, Food Systems Program Manager, Cornell Cooperative Extension. Thank you so much for taking the time to run this all down for us. I really appreciate the time to talk to the community. Thanks for what you do, Jason, and I hope to talk to you again soon. Thanks so much. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll learn more about the Heartathon. You're listening to the Local Edition, winner of two Excellence in Broadcasting Awards from the New York State Broadcasters Association. Radio Catskill. Listen local. Joseph Boulogne Chevalier de Saint-Georges was accompanied by Marie Antoinette as he performed his violin sonatas. Shirley Thompson was commissioned to compose a symphony for Queen Elizabeth's Golden Jubilee. They're just two of the many composers whose works you'll hear on Something Old, Something New's Celebration of Black Composers, Thursday morning at 10. WJFF Jeffersonville, W233AH Monticello. Welcome back to the local edition news and information keeping you connected in the Catskills, Northeast Pennsylvania. I'm Jason Dole, and coming up on Friday, it's the 45th, 4-5, the 45th annual 98.3 WSUL Heartathon. It's happening at Resorts World Catskills. It's an annual event about raising funds for heart health and heart disease prevention. Why? Because cardiovascular disease, it's a leading cause of death in the United States, killing nearly a million Americans in 2020 alone. And this year's Heartathon's extending its focus uh, to benefit the prevention, education, and treatment of heart disease in Sullivan County. For more, we have Don Corsiari, General Manager and Director for Sales for Bold Gold Media, on the phone with us right now. Hello, Don. Welcome to the program. Hey, Jason. Thanks so much for having me. So, um, 45 years of this. I mean, I, I remember being being a kid and listening to the Heartathon. Same here. I mean, growing up around here, you almost uh, sort of a mainstay in in uh, everybody's lives over the years, especially mine. Um, and we're really excited to be celebrating the 45th year. Um, you know, I remember as a kid, I was a bell ringer at one of the heartathons. Uh, we used to bring in kids that, uh, when certain level of donations would come in. They would ring the bells, and and uh, so to be an adult now and and be in charge of uh, kind of running this event, it's really kind of come full circle for me. Wow, that's really cool for for those listening who didn't grow up here like you and I. Could you tell them a little bit more about what the Heartathon actually is? Sure. Um, so the ninety eight three WSL Heartathon um, 
is a way to raise awareness about heart disease. And it's really, um, for the most part over the years, it has really focused on uh, buying equipment specifically for treatment of heart disease. And um, this year, since we had such a milestone year, um, and since there is such a need in this area uh, to improve the health rankings, um, we decided that we wanted to kind of expand the focus so that we were looking at all aspects of of heart disease, which is treatment, education, and prevention. Um, so what we do is we raise money. We do a, an all-day-long radiothon, which will be this Friday, um, and it's from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. We are lucky to be at Resorts World Catskills, uh, but we will be live all day on 98.3 WSUL, and we're going to be asking for pledges and support all day long uh, to benefit a couple of different programs um, and, and to, to actually buy some equipment um, for the hospital. So one of the areas uh, that we're raising money for is that they need uh, cardiac rehab treadmills at Garnet Health uh, Medical Center Catskills, um, which is a huge part of um, the recovery for somebody dealing with a heart condition. Um, there, we're also trying to buy some heart monitors for the hospital and some vital monitoring machines. So that's sort of our focus for treatment. And then for education, we're working with SUNY Sullivan uh, to award some healthcare workforce scholarships for local students that want to pursue a career in healthcare. Um, because as Jerry Dunleavy from uh, Garnet Health Catskill said to me, "If what good is buying equipment if we don't have the people to run that equipment? So one of the main reasons we're focusing on education is we just need to increase the healthcare workforce locally. Yes. And then another educational program we're focusing on is through the organization A Single Bite. And we're, they have a program called their Real Food Education Program, which really they go into all the school districts in Sullivan County and they help teach kids about eating healthy. And so, of course, part of, um, you know, the focus on heart disease is making sure from a young age kids understand um, what what they need to do to be healthy and what they should be putting in their bodies and not putting in their bodies. And then the, the third aspect is prevention, and we're working with Sullivan 180 uh, to help fund a community outdoor fitness pad uh, this this outdoor fitness pad is planning to be installed in Monticello, um, and um, it's something that anybody could use free of charge, um, and it's really a, just a phenomenal um, sort of outdoor area where you could go and exercise, and it's just open to anyone. And then last but not least, we are working also with Sullivan 180 on a Warrior Teens program, and what that is is another program in the schools where uh, – teenagers work with other teenagers on how to be healthier, eating, exercising, and all of the different things. So those are the the three areas that this event is benefiting. And we're asking people to make a pledge. Um, They can make a pledge anytime now and through the day of the event uh, at WSUL.com. And then all throughout the county, everybody's probably been seeing all these beautiful red and gold hearts. Uh, our SUNY Sullivan hearts that you can purchase at, I think they're at over 130 businesses throughout Sullivan County. And all of that money also goes to this 
event and to to vet to these uh, benefiting um, programs. There's there's so much in there. I love the fact that um, that this isn't just a list of who's going to benefit from this, like where the funds are going. This is a this is and it's not just a list of many different community partners, which it is. Um, but this is a strategic, multi pronged approach to actually say how can we best impact this serious issue locally. Exactly. I mean, it really comes down to trying to attack heart disease from all areas and making sure that, you know, we prevent, you know, from the get-go by educating. And then, of course, we need to have the treatment for those that need it. But if we work on prevention and education, you know, we will have to treat less. Um, We will have a healthier community in general. And so, and really heart disease touches everyone. I mean, when you end up in the emergency room or you're at the doctor's office, what do they do? One of the first things they do is they check your heart, right? So it's the basis of everything. And really, that's really why I think this event has had such longevity is that it really touches everyone and it really can help every single person in this community from young to old. And just one of the things that that you had mentioned in there, like with just like in terms of equipment in the hospital, but then also that that line about, you know, what good is the equipment unless somebody can use it? I I had to get some tests a couple of years ago. I had to get some heart related tests um, and I was at Garnet and I had to I had to go to. Middletown, one, because, you know, there was the the big equipment that they needed for one particular test was there, but the other was because they just didn't have enough people on staff to actually administer one of the other tests that they could have done, but they didn't necessarily have the people at that time because we know all the hospitals and healthcare are kind of strained at this point in terms of who they got. So the fact that you're also thinking of, you know, where where are these people coming from? Where's the next generation? And we've got SUNY Sullivan right there that's training up nurses. Exactly. And they're, they're just bringing on more and more programs in the healthcare field, um, that are just necessary for us to just grow our healthcare workforce. Um, so it, it all, it all works together. And we just felt this was a great year to expand into all these areas and really look at a 360 degree approach to heart disease. All right. And so one more time for people to find more information. Is is there a website or or is social media the best bet? Yeah, com. You find the Heartathon uh, logo, click on that, and that has all the information that you need. You can make a pledge there. You can actually buy a virtual heart there, uh, see all of our wonderful, wonderful partners and sponsors, learn more about the benefiting uh, programs. Um, most importantly, you know, make your pledge now. WSUL.com. And there's the red and gold hearts that are at local businesses that also benefit the Heartathon. And do you do you want to see members of the public uh, when it's actually happened, like come out in person if people want to do it that way? Yeah, we can. Anyone could stop by the Heartathon um, between six a.m. and six p.m. and and check check us out. Um, but you can listen all day long on ninety eight three WSUL or at, on our free Radio Bold app. Um, and uh, just support any way that you can. If, if you just want to tune in or just spread the word, it all works together and helps the event. And we're hoping, you know, last year we raised over $90,000. we are looking to break that $100,000 barrier. So hopefully um, with everybody's help, we'll be able to do that. 
All right, we've been talking to Don Corsieri of Bold Gold Media, talking about the 45th annual 98.3 WSUL Heartathon. Best of luck to everyone uh, on Friday, Don. Thank you so much for talking to us. Thanks, Jason. Take care. Okay, that's going to do it for the local edition. Thanks so much to Dawn and Ashley both for joining us tonight. Thank you for listening. Keep on listening on air, online, on your smartphone or on your smart speaker. And don't miss any edition of the local edition. Sign up to the local edition podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. You want to stay tuned? Coming up, it's uh, Kusar Grace and the Music Emporium. And, oh, I forgot to mention, yes, it's Valentine's Day. We were talking about hearts on Valentine's Day. And uh, here's a good song for Valentine's Day. I wish you a uh, happy April Fool's. Right here, WJFF Jeffersonville, W233AH Monticello. Your pockets to bleed on St. Valentine's And you sat in a chair thinking Boy, I'm such a prince Well, life's a train That goes from February on Day by day But it's making a stop JFF Jeffersonville, W233AH Monticello. Radio Catskill, your NPR station for the Catskills in Northeast Pennsylvania.